Welcome to the Littler Diversity and Inclusion Podcast. Conversations related to the human resource challenges of an ever-evolving workforce. Hello, my name is Cindy Ann Thomas. I'm a principal with Littler and a co-chair of our firm's EEO and diversity practice group. I partner with our clients in the diversity and inclusion space with a focus on advising on, as well as developing and providing legally compliant training and education initiatives. So, Gen Z, Generation Connected, the iGen, whatever you want to call them, members of this youngest generation are growing up, graduating, and are either coming or have already arrived to a business near you. This up-and-coming segment of the U.S. workforce is projected to be the best educated generation yet with more of them likely going to college than not. They are the most racially and ethnically diverse generation of them all. They never knew a world that was not at war or without the internet. Half of this hyper-connected segment of the workforce spends about 10 hours a day on one of their five active devices. Gen Z members are said to number something north of 2 billion globally, or almost one-third of the world's population. And even though I just invited you to call them whatever you want, don't make the mistake of lumping them in with the millennial label, because these young professionals have their own brand of work ethic, a unique style of communication, and a host of different motivators from that other generation. So to help me delve into those differentiators, let me introduce you to my guest, Pranam Lipinski, co-founder of Door of Clubs, an online platform that connects employers to driven college student organizations. Pranam, who has surveyed over 15,000 Gen Zers about the future of work, is passionate about bridging the understanding gap between Gen Z and other generations to create more empathy and effectiveness in the workplace. Pranam, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Cindy Ann. You said so many great things about Gen Z in the the lead up here that I, I think I think my work is done. You did a great <laughs> job. <laughs> Not at all. It's just begun. So, so <laughs> Pranam, just you know, just when we start to understand Gen Y, Gen Z comes along. <laughs> we don't know a lot about them, but like I said, I know enough about my XYZs than to make the mistake of commingling them. So fill in the blanks for our listeners. I, I mean, for instance, they're currently between five and 25, right, Pranam? Yes, it depends what you look at. So there's differing research organizations that go off of you know, a born date of 94, born date of 95, 96, and they typically run to 2012, 2013. So five to 25, it's a good round way to look at it. And from my research, what I've looked at is it's typically between nine to 26, born between 1995 to 2012 mm -hmm. as the demarcations that we run with. 
Okay. And last time I checked, there were about 68 million in the U.S. Update us on this figure. Yes. So they are officially the largest generation in U.S. TV homes at the moment. <laughs> and so 68 million, that's according to Nielsen, when we talk about the largest generation in U.S. TV homes, they came out with a report on that. And they also are the largest generation in the world already, uh, mm -hmm. surpassing millennials. And so they're, they've already, when we think about Gen Z up and rising, up and coming, they're actually already here. Right, right. Now, I've always believed that you have to understand the motivations and skills of each generation or you won't know how to recruit or retain them. Right. Companies need to understand the differences in generations if they are going to successfully collaborate with or lead these members. So, for instance, we know that X said you've got to balance work and family time. Y said never confuse your career with your life. Mm -hmm. spill, the, spill the tea, if you will, on Gen Z, Pranam. And, and, and maybe to do that, uh, let's do a, a little bit of a lightning round on some of their language. Ready? That sounds great. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Okay, so uh, glow up, the term glow up, what is that? Yeah, so glow up is, it's typically a good thing. And when we talk about these these terms, it's like if you glow up, you are transforming. You are doing something that is, it's it's a good thing, but it's almost in a sense you're, you've changed so much and you, you have uh, yeah, so much change going on. Okay, okay. Hype beast. Hype beast is like you are a uh, fashionable and you are someone who knows and follows the trends and you are someone who, who really understands what is coming next and you are going to talk about it with others. Okay. FOMO. F-O-M-O, -O, please use in a sentence, Pranam. <laughs> yes, so FOMO is if someone was missing something, of course, like say that their friends were going out to eat or nowadays having a Zoom call or um, something like that, they they would say the FOMO is real, as in the fear of missing out is real. They, they wish that they were there. Aha. Uh -huh. YOLO. YOLO is a, a Gen Z and a millennial term that we could talk about, but it's it's really about you only live once. And there's a famous Drake song about it, and it's it's Y O L O, of course, and it's you only live once. Wonderful. What is meant to be left on red? Left on red is like uh, another way of saying you've been ghosted. Uh, you haven't been replied to. It's like, think about if someone sent you a text message and you just, you know, you read it, but you didn't reply. That's like another way of just being ignored. Understood. Uh, and if a Gen Zer says, we love that, what does that really mean? It's really a sarcastic eye roll at something, as in, like, they really don't love that. <laughs> These are important distinctions to know about, I can, I can tell you. So thank you for, for letting us know. And in this day and age where uh, if you've got your camera uh, on mute and you don't have that uh, accompanying microfacial data, 
uh, somebody could really be misled into thinking that they do love that. <laughs> yes, yes. They're, that's why we are doing this, Cindy Ann, because we want to educate people so the first time they hear these things from Gen Z is not the first time they've heard it in general. They heard it on this podcast. Right. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer is a uh, sarcastic remark towards the Boomer generation saying, yeah, you you know what to tell me. You've ruined the world. Uh, you've given us this climate crisis. You've given us this racial strife, and you're going to tell me how to live my life. So it's a way that Gen Z says basically to the Boomers, like, okay, Boomer, don't tell me what to do. Right. And Boomers have clapped back with OK Zoomer, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we've got the war going on already. (laughs) (laughs) If a digital native tells you, and I quote here, to take several seats, what should that indicate to the recipient of that comment, Pranam? That means that you should sit down and be quiet because you've gone way over what you should be saying. And uh, it's like if you said to someone, you need to take a break, take a seat. Saying take several seats is is <laughs> that with, with a few exclamation marks. Got it. Last term for our lightning round. Pranam, if your name is not Karen and somebody calls you Karen, what does that mean? Karen is, it's a derogatory term towards women who are privileged. Think about suburban women that don't understand the the difficulties of the more real world life that others are going through. And uh, we've seen many people in the news, if you're listening, you probably have seen the term Karen. And it's, it's that people who are out of touch. Uh, women who are out of touch from the real-world difficulties, who have lived a, a seemingly insulated life growing up, and, and it's like they're shocked by any sort of difficulty or problem that comes their way, especially related to sensitivity or equality. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you so much. These are some definitions that I know our listeners appreciate. Since we have a multi-generational listenership, I do appreciate that they appreciate those definitions. Yeah, it's a great way to start, a great way to start, because we do need to understand that underground terminology. And I'm sure some of the listeners, if they were Gen Zers, they would uh, roll their eyes, too, at what we're talking about. Maybe we didn't (laughs) cover every term that they use, but the ones that... I think are relevant to the listeners. Uh, It's great to get that started and be familiar with that underground world, so to speak. Thank you. Thank you for for setting that tone for us. So so with that, I, I want to continue to dive into their uniqueness, if you will. And five years ago, I I was on a bit of a worldwide tear advising clients that Z is literally the employee of their future and that it would Mm. behoove them to find out what makes this generation tick. And that was before a pandemic, but I'll get to that later. And, And now here they are. And as hard as I try not to traffic in stereotypes, 
for obvious reasons related to mm -hmm. what I do in my practice. Based on your extensive work with members of this generation, what is important to them when it comes to identifying a desirable employer? Yes. So when Gen Z looks at employers, there's three keys that we always focus on, and it's based on a lot of research and a lot of studies. And those three keys are inclusion, stability, and authenticity. The acronym you can use is just ISA, ESA. And inclusion being the first and foremost, most important thing when it comes to Gen Z. They will trust you or not based on how inclusive and equality driven your company is. Because if you are in any way, shape or form not inclusive or focused on equality, then they, they will not work with you. They will not appreciate you. They will not respect you because inclusion, they are the most diverse generation ever. It's part of the fabric of their generation and they, they don't see any other option than to be inclusive of all and that being first and foremost. And then the, the second thing that we focus on there in ISA is stability. And stability is because Gen Z grew up during the Great Recession. They saw their parents having to, to put off retirement, to put off vacations, and they saw how difficult it was to face the financial disaster that happened in 2008. So they seek a more stable work environment and a more stable company to work for. There's, there's a great stat that 68% of them want to work for uh, large or international employers versus only 8% want to start their own businesses. And that's usually something that gets people's attention because most people think, oh, they're probably just like millennials. They want to be entrepreneurs. It's not true. They're, they're a side hustle generation. So while only 8% want to start their own business, 77% have a side hustle. So they're going to have that as their side gig because it's so easy now with the internet and the tools available to have a side gig. So yes. stability, they crave in an employer and financially, as well as from the mental health and wellness, which we can talk about later, but they are the loneliest, most stressed out generation. And so they see work as a place that should fill some of the, the void of mental and emotional stability. And then the third thing that we always focus on that's based on a lot of data and studies that we've come across that we've ran ourselves is authenticity. That's the A in ISA, I-S-A. And authenticity means that they have a reflex towards anything that doesn't feel authentic. Any sort of commercial attempt at their attention, they automatically tune out. And this is because compared to 30 years ago, they are receiving five times the amount of ads that were previous generations had to deal with 30 years ago. So uh -huh. you think about this hyper ad driven world that has been assaulting their attention since they were in the fourth grade when they first got their cell phones. You can imagine how savvy they are at finding and tuning out anything that feels inauthentic towards getting their attention. And for millennials, it might have, it might still work, but Gen Z absolutely will not tolerate any forms of inauthenticity 
that are trying to genuinely connect with them. Interesting. Now, Pranam, I, I recently read a report that suggested that salary, notwithstanding what you have just offered, was a priority for more than two-thirds of Gen Zers. And, and mm -hmm. while this Puff Daddy reference will, will resonate more with Gen Y than Z, <laughs> I have to ask you, is it really all about the Benjamins or not with this generation? <laughs> well, much more than uh, Gen Y, yes. Think of Gen Z as financially similar to the traditionalists, the silent generation, mm -hmm. where that financial prudence, the financial discipline is first and foremost, again, because they went through that great recession. And so when they, when they look at an employer, they're not thinking that they want to join the, the place that's trying to achieve the dream. It does matter, but they are going to look at the financial security more than any generation since the traditionalists, the silent generation. So, yes, it is all about the Benjamins and the long-term stability of those Benjamins for Gen Z, much more than Gen Y, millennials. Okay. Because they are reputed to be savers. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I don't have any Gen Zs in my inner circle. That's probably become clear. Uh, so continue to help me out here, along with, no doubt, many of our listeners. But I am told that they are much more personable and social than their parents. Five screens on at a time, notwithstanding. Mm -hmm. uh, for our listeners in talent acquisition, talk to us about the implications for that trait as a prospective employee. Well, I think it's important to understand the social setting of Gen Z and their interest in wanting to connect with others on a more genuine level. So if we think about this generation that grew up with a cell phone since fourth, fifth grade, they have always had a tool that has connected them to others. However, that tool has been somewhat shallow in building connection. And so it's a way for them to always be connected, you know, having their smartphone, having their social media, they've always been connected, but the craving for a deeper, more genuine connection is perhaps more than any other generation. And that's evidenced by Gen Z wanting face-to-face -face interaction in the workplace more than any other generation. So 72% prefer face-to-face -face as the number one form of communicating with coworkers. Hmm. And that's more than any other generation. So it's like the lack of true connection that technology many times fails to give us or delivers the lack of it. Gen Z craves that deeper, more genuine connection and causes them to want to get into those more social, more genuine interactions in the workplace. Intriguing, but because we also have data that suggests that Gen Zers have an attention span of about eight seconds, square, <laughs> you know, square, square that up. Yes, that is a great stat. And uh, it's, a, it's the same as a goldfish. So that's, that's a good one to use is eight, eight seconds is the same attention span as a goldfish. So we can, 
anyone who wants to to hate on the Zoomers, they can use that as a <laughs> as a way to hate on them. But the uh, yeah, so the the attention span, of course, is so um, limited because of this hyper connected technological upbringing, mm-hmm. and yet that still is a reason why if you do have that face-to-face interaction, that rises to the top. It it cuts through all those filters that we mentioned earlier about authenticity. The most authentic way to connect with them is face-to-face, and that could be on Zoom or in person. And everything else, they'll have the shorter attention span because they've seen it all. They live in that world, like you said before, 10 hours a day. Half of them spend 10 hours a day on screen time outside of work. So they've got that short attention span for everything on the technological shallow connection. But when it comes to the preferences of coworkers and meaningful interaction, yes, the face-to-face is what they crave and they seek to fill that craving with work and with their colleagues. Right. So I want to segue to diversity. I have certainly advised companies that Z is the most diverse generation in U.S. history. Mm -hmm. They don't see diversity unless it's absent. Absolutely. Members of Gen Z will not remember a time when there was not either an African-American president and now a Black and Southeast Asian female vice president in the White House, right? Yeah. (laughs) So... I I wonder if you could just share your thoughts here. I believe that you are saying it best in the sense that it's not something that they feel needs to be trained into them. It's just who they are. And I uh, was doing some work with a, a large Fortune 500 company on some of their intern training. And as they were hiring a class of a few hundred interns, And they, a couple of years ago, they ran their intern class through a a diversity training. And boy, that did not go over well because it was redundant. For them to get diversity training was like a slap in the face because Mm -hmm. they feel like they are the generation that is bringing diversity that grew up with it. It's a mandatory. And in part of the training, was focused on why diversity matters, of course. And Gen Z is far past that discussion, and it's not even worth speaking about. So it is who they are. Uh Um, It's not something they need to be trained about. It's interesting that you share that, Pranam. I'm not sure if you recall the 2013 Cheerios commercial featuring an adorable little mop-haired girl named Gracie chatting with her mother Mm -hmm. at the kitchen table about heart health. Mom was white and dad was black. The racist backlash was nothing short of vitriolic. Do you remember that ad? Yes, yes. Uh, it was it was such a big moment. I feel in the changing of the guard of in, you know acceptance on biracial marriage, biracial family. Right, and and just for the benefit of our listeners, Pranam, before you go on, the official YouTube video for the ad was was inundated with so many racist comments that that General Mills actually pulled the ad from the site because the reaction was just so vitriolic. And in a follow-up study that 
was conducted by the Fine Brothers in 2014 entitled Kids React to Controversial Cheerios Commercial. You witnessed a fascinating and heartwarming reaction of 12 kids across the racial diversity spectrum aged 5 to 13 who were dumbfounded, hurt, and downright angry by the reaction to the ad. The kids in that commercial were Gen Zers. Worth a look-see, everybody. Uh, and for perspective back then, among American children, the multiracial population had already increased almost 50% to 4.2 million since 2000, making it the fastest growing youth group in the country at the time. Right? Mm -hmm. the, number, the number of people of all ages who identified themselves as both white and black had soared by 134% since 2000 by the time uh, this study was, was done. And, and the reason, of course, is that they have experienced the most distinctive and versatile childhood. They are the product of different races and cultures mixed together. Um, and, and we saw that uh, in that study. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there, again, for the benefit of our listeners. And, and as a context for that comment, Pranam, that you made regarding the slap in the face about diversity training. Yeah, it's a it's a perfect example. And it also is good to look at that and the how much has changed in just seven years in terms of acceptance towards biracial marriages, biracial families. It's a it it says a lot about the progress that has been made and also how how bad it was, how bad we were as a country back then to have so much outrage. And you, what you said underscores this notion that their fabric is diversity. They, mm -hmm. this is who they are. It's it's how they grew up, and it's not going to be something that just falls by the wayside. It's part of the the core of Gen Z, and so they don't understand a world that is not inclusive, that is not diverse, and. Because of that, some of ourselves, myself, the older generation that might look at Gen Z and talk to them about diversity and inclusion, we might not understand just how steeped in diversity and inclusion they already are mm -hmm. and how that undercurrent is leading a whole new world that is coming in the future that is transforming before our eyes where it is a majority minority. You know, today it is the first time in history that there are more underrepresented babies being born than uh, the typical white population. That's, that's happening today, and uh, that's a huge change, and it's part of the fabric. It's not just something that's going to fall by the wayside. And Pranam, to add to what you have just stated, according to Pew Research in this country, a quarter of the generation that we are speaking about are Hispanic, 14% are Black, 6% are Asian, 5% are some other race or two or more races, and about 22% have at least one immigrant parent. So that's the generation we're talking about, right? That, that's the backdrop. Yes, and I'll give you another stat that is, you can add to this underscoring of diversity and, and acceptance and inclusion that we've never been used to before in this country. 
that 25% of Gen Z expects to change their gender identity over mm-hmm. their lifetimes. 25%. Wow, very interesting. That, yeah, most people that I tell that to are, are just shocked. But Absolutely. That's, that's how fluid Gen Z is in acceptance and inclusion. Definitely. So that tells employers that they also need to be a little bit more sophisticated when they are thinking about their diversity and inclusion training programs in terms of how they come at this generation. And they're going to have to go a little bit more deeply than some of the primary dimensions of diversity. Yes, that's a really practical tip for all listeners is that you don't want to come across as tone deaf as an organization trying to preach the value of diversity to a generation that by its very fabric is the most diverse generation ever and is now majority minority in terms of how they're coming into the workplace. Pranam, we often talk about diversity being the invitation to get a seat at the table, but inclusion representing having a voice at that table. Tell us why employers need to listen to Gen Z's voice. That's a great question because you're hitting on a point that I always recommend as, uh, so if you remember, I said the three keys earlier were inclusion, stability, authenticity. Uh-huh. I've always said that there's, there's a fourth thing to pay attention to that brings it all together. That's the key chain, so to speak. And that is input. And what that means is the, the listening, as you mentioned, having that voice, even if you don't take all of Gen Z's recommendations and they don't expect you to, you better have the tools and the abilities to listen to Gen Z to help them feel heard. Because this generation grew up with social media where they can comment immediately on a celeb- their favorite celebrities post and sometimes get a reaction from them, sometimes mm-hmm. get a response. Or with other peers, they can comment or quickly engage, and it's immediately that they're heard. And so as a workplace, the tools that we should be looking at are those workplace engagement and feedback-creating tools that can help us give Gen Z the voice using technology so that they always feel like their input is at the very least being heard. So it's a great point that you bring up. Right. And again, with this backdrop, talk about their commitment to the social equity movement that has really rocked the globe in the past year and how that shapes their expectations, whatever color they may be, of the companies with whom they align. Well, with inclusion and equality as the number one reason why they would trust you as an employer or not, according to an Ernst & Young study, that idea of racial reckoning of protests that have rocked the globe, as you've said, of an awakening in terms of the diversity conversation that has now become so mainstream. Gen Z is the undercurrent of that. They are the ones who have been organizing and creating these movements with their friends overnight on TikTok, on Instagram. They are able to mobilize faster than any other generation by far. And they use their smartphones as tools to get things done. And they can create a movement in 12 hours if they want to cancel 
bad things. Uh, cancel culture is a real thing, and they they can cancel anybody quickly. And that's, of course, sometimes scary, as listeners might hear. But that is this generation at work. Uh, rapid change has never been more possible with Gen Z as the undercurrent. Right, right. Now, when discussing generations in educational sessions with clients, we always reference layers and legacies as shaping people's views of others. And there are defining moments in history for every generation, the Great Depression, JFK's assassination, 9-11, etc. So until last February, to use their language, I think, Gen Z was vibing, living their best life, and then COVID-19 swooped in and killed it. So I wonder if you could speak to the anticipated legacy of COVID-19, a historically life-altering event for the entire world, to be sure, that we are already seeing and its impact on Gen Z specifically. Yes, they are dealing with this crisis, which we must understand the context that they're dealing with it is, is quite precarious, it's uh, sensitive, it's careful, because they are the generation with, according to the American Psychological Association, the worst mental health. So they have the worst mental health as is. They're the most stressed out. They are the most lonely generation, even more lonely than the elderly. And when you combine those factors with a COVID crisis and a, a worldwide lockdown, it has led to more isolation and more stress, uh, of course. And Gen Z, uh, according to recent reports, has been dealing with it the worst. 89% have said that it's had a negative effect on them, which is the most out of any other generation. And it's something that is only exacerbating these problems that this generation had prior to COVID, which is the, the loneliness and the stress. And it's a sad time for them, and it's something that hopefully will help them grow as a generation to become stronger in terms of their mental health and wellness and emotionally. But it is something that is hitting them very hard and harder than any other generation. Pranam, is there anything that companies can do, particularly in light of this era, that they can do to take care of that generation? Yes. The focus now, when we think about benefits in this generation, how can we change our workplace benefits? Think about it changing from typical uh, insurance or commuter privileges or any of the, the normal benefits that you might offer to this generation. They are going to put a higher priority and higher appreciation for the mental health and wellness benefits. Mm -hmm. So if you have apps that are focusing on meditation, there's great therapy apps nowadays. If you include these as part of the benefits for this generation, if you have uh, more talks focused on wellness, then this generation is going to be appreciating it so much more than the typical benefits. So it's, it does lead to that increased focus on mental health and wellness that as employers, you can start looking up some of the apps that are now so popular, of course, 
Headspace, they have Talkspace. <laughs> there are also Gen Z created apps like uh, wellnest.co, mm -hmm. which is another great app that's you know created by Gen Z, and then another one called teamfullcircle.org. And they're all just focused on that wellness and it's made by Gen Z. So these are great tools that you can use to help Gen Z as they deal with that wellness crisis that's going on. Pranam, so, so very helpful. Thank you so much. Your final thoughts on what employers absolutely need to know about this latest generation, Pranam. The main thing that I focus on with employers and that I believe is the most important aspect to learn about Gen Z is putting it into action. Because we, we've talked about here the great concepts and we've become familiar with Gen Z. And so how do you put it into action? And there's a great idea that, you know, one, one move can make a huge difference. One action can make a huge difference. I remember there was a great study by a company that focused on Hyatt hotels, and they, they found that cleanliness was most important to their guests. And what defined cleanliness to guests was how clean their bathroom mirror was. So they put an in increased emphasis on cleaning the bathroom mirrors. So in this sense, the cleaning the bathroom mirrors action that employers can take is I challenge them as they listen or if they're working with employers as consultants to challenge their employers to schedule just one virtual event with a student organization or a student community or a Gen Z community to have a interaction in a live way where you put the time aside to connect with a different population than you generationally and oftentimes uh, what would be great is if you connected with, say, an HBCU student group and you had a conversation with them about things we're talking about, the future of work, uh, what wellness benefits would you enjoy, all the things that we're stressing. And the reason why I say that, Cindy Ann, is because from my time of running Door of Clubs, the startup that I co-founded, what I found when I was sitting in the front row seat between the nation's students and the nation's employers, the defining difference between the employers who were well-received, who were committed, who showed the Gen Zers that they were a place that they wanna be, that the Gen Zers can work at, the defining difference that I found, and you'll see this with uh, even other companies I've seen these studies, having the priority on virtual events as something that tells them we're gonna put our money where our mouth is, we're gonna put our time where our mouth is, we're gonna spend the time to actually schedule just a one hour talk and we're gonna get our employee resource groups or our, um, our leadership to engage and not just learn about, not just uh, read about, we're gonna engage with that student population and Gen Zers and we're gonna have a dialogue with them and the most successful talent departments that I worked with at from large to small organizations, that was the one defining difference was whether or not they had virtual events scheduled in their busy calendars to engage face-to-face -face with the next generation. Again, so very helpful. That's wonderful. Pranam Lipinski, co-founder of Door of Clubs, 
thank you so much for joining me for this installment of Littler's Diversity and Inclusion Podcast. Thank you for having me, Cindy Ann. I really appreciate your perspective and what you're doing for your listeners to bridge these generational gaps that do exist and that represent a great opportunity going forward if we can start closing those gaps today. I appreciate that, Pranam, and I know that our listeners sure do as well. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast as much as I have enjoyed bringing it to you. Please feel free to reach out to us at podcasts at littler.com if you should have any questions about this episode or if you would like to discuss any component of your organization's needs with me or another Littler attorney. Thanks for listening. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.